Okay, I saw this thing. It's pretty funny. It's a comedian, and he's giving an acceptance speech. And he says, I'd like to thank my legs for supporting me, my arms for always being by my side, and my fingers. I could always count on them. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty lame, sorry. All right, why don't you turn your Bibles to anywhere. Just, it's all pretty, it's all pretty good, I think. <laughs> Second Samuel, chapter 9. David found it. Anywhere. I was up pretty late. Went to bed around 3.30 probably. Got up at 7.30. Yeah. It was bad planning on my part that yesterday. I had iron shirts and cut my hair. Uh, thanks. I watch YouTube videos for uh, how to iron. So <laughs> I'm telling you, YouTube has the answer to everything. Jesus has an answer to everything, but... YouTube is, is, it's there. It's like, you can do anything on YouTube. And I even looked on YouTube how to fold my shirts faster. <laughs> and they have a, they have tips in my, and my t-shirts, boom, I'm, I'm done in seconds. <laughs> Let us, we're going to pray, but. So I want to, you know, encourage you to keep praying for for Africa. There's a lot of stuff going on that we don't know about here in America with, you know, Heidi and Roland. And also in South Africa, I believe they just passed a law that the black Africans are allowed to go in and take the ranches and even kill the white owners, and they are, to take back the farmlands. And it's a, it's, it's a law. It's crazy. Like... What kind of, ah, uh, that's just, yeah, I mean, so they're going in, and I saw a guy, he's like, uh, the first time they came, they beat me, and uh, second time, he's like, I handled it a little better this time, <laughs> you know, he wasn't as freaked out, he's like, he got used to it, because it's, and just this, there's a bunch of stuff going on in the world, and we need to pray, you know, we can change it, we can do something. And so I'm excited that we, how um, I many know we don't pray because there's a problem. We pray because there's a solution. Our, our perspective isn't earth to heaven. It's heaven to earth. We see from God's perspective, we always have a solution to a problem that's on the earth. So we can't be discouraged. We can't be a discouraged people because there's always an answer. Prophetic community should be the happiest community, right? We're always building up, encouraging, and edifying one another. We should be the happiest group of people on the earth, and we we will be. Yes, we're prophesying. We are. This is the happiest place in the entire world. We had a guy one time come to our church, and he was, I didn't, he was, depressed and he was telling us he's going to commit suicide you could see just depression all over him and he's never been to a church where they believed in healing or anything like that it was kind of his last 
yeah, last straw at the end of the rope kind of thing. And that was bad. That was a bad analogy. And so he comes to our church, and he uh, says this, and I, you know, we lay hands on him, and I, I tell like the core prophetic people at our church, come up, you're gonna lay hands on him, you're gonna pray and prophesy, and I just left, right? I, cause I, you know, I trusted, and they did do the work, and so they just began to lay hands on him, praying, and all of a sudden this guy just starts laughing hysterically, like he's. Like, he's never been in the environment. He, he's never seen it. He's never known it before. He comes into this environment, and people lay hands on him, and he just starts laughing uncontrollably, and the depression left him. All right, that's... Yeah. Don't you love the gospel of Jesus? It is the power to save, to heal, save, and deliver, Right? We had a guy one time, this African, I think he was from Nigeria. He came to our church, and he came, he had a broken arm, and he was just weeping, and he was drunk, and he came out to me, he's like, Pastor, I need help. And we get a lot of homeless people, and a lot of homeless people need help, but there was something different about this guy, right? So he comes out to me, and he's asking for help, and so... I'm like, hey, I'm going to put you up in a hotel for a few days, get cleaned up, and we're going to pray for you tonight. That's the deal. You have to let us pray for you and prophesy over you, and then we'll put you in a room. He's like, yes, you know, whatever. And so we, I prayed for him, and we started laying hands, or I laid hands on him, prayed for his arm, and asked him to test it out. Nothing happened. So he broke his arm that weekend. And because of it, he lost his job. And since he lost his job, he lost his place to live it was all like boom it happened that quickly right and so he's just devastated and he comes up to me and he's doing i'm praying for him and ask hey can you notice any difference he's like nope <laughs> and so all right you know i believe something happened i know because when i lay hands on people something always happens and so he left and we had prayer meeting every night monday through friday told him about it. He shows up to Tuesday night. I remember very specifically. He shows up Tuesday night, and he's just weeping and, you know, can't contain himself. He's sit, sitting on the chair. He's just depressed. And so I get the team around him and say, we're going to prophesy over you, and we're going to believe that something's going to change quickly for you. And so we prophesied over him, and one of the uh, people there prophesied, I see, or said they had a vision of him in a cage and God opening the cage and freeing him. And so received it we prayed for him and his arm and said test it out and he was like this like it's done it wasn't he i mean it wasn't full-blown and i was like it's done you're healed (laughs) right so that night he's still in his cast and you know he's still a little downcast and we go through the week and sunday night shows up and our church is for some reason, it was really dark. It was an Episcopalian church. The light was up front. I couldn't see people's faces when you preached. So you couldn't tell if they liked it or disliked it. Sometimes it was good. <laughs> and so I, at the end of service, I see this black man walking towards me. And there was something different about him. And instead of walking with a cast, he was walking with both hands in the air going like this. And he had brand new clothes. And the, the weirdest thing was when he walked up to me, the thing I really noticed was his shoes were brand new. 
And so I asked him, and it was the guy. And he got completely healed. And he told me the whole story. Within that week, he got completely healed. He found a new job, and he got a place to live. All within that week, God restored him. That's the power of the gospel. It has nothing to do with what I'm preaching, but no, it does. It has a little bit. <laughs> we have to believe in the power of the gospel. Yep. Second Samuel chapter 9. I'm just going to read it, and we're going to... Maybe that all, that's all I'll do. It's a really good story. How <laughs> many know who Mephibosheth is? Mephibosheth. It's Vosheth. I'm going to call him Mephi, okay, because that'll... Well, actually, that doesn't sound good either. <laughs> I'm call him M. <laughs> all right, verse 1. Then David said, Is there yet anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, Ziba, and they called him to David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. The king said, Is there not yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. Let me tell you, I don't trust this guy Ziba. Right? I think he's out for his own. Anyways, Ziba. Never trust a guy named Ziba. I'll explain later why I think he's, he's up to no good. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Hamiel in Lodebar. I'm just adding those sounds just to sound Jewish. I have no idea where those things land. I'm just trying to sound like I know what I'm talking about. M, the son of Jonathan the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, M, and he said, here is your servant. And David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan and will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul. And you shall eat at my table regularly. And he prostrated himself and said, what is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? And then the, king's, then the king called Saul's servant Ziba, and he said to him, All that belonged to Saul and, all, and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. You and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him, and you shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson may have food. Nevertheless, say nevertheless, M, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table regularly. Now, Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Sucks for them. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands, his servant so, commands his servant, so your servant will do. So M ate at the tables, David's table, as one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son name, whose name was Micah. And all who lived in the house of Ziba were servants to Mephibosheth. 
So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem. He ate at the king's table regularly. Now he was lame in both feet. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Help me. I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for how you speak to us. That you show us your heart, that you've not hidden your your character from us, but you said in the last that you'd pour out your spirit and not hide your face. And God, I'm thankful that you've invited us and you've called us here today for a reason, for a purpose, to pray, to intercede, to change course of history, to reveal to, to reveal to us who we really are, and more important, who you are, Jesus, that we would leave this place more in love with you, more devoted to you, more uh, just committed to, to you and your heart, Jesus, to serve you, to obey you, to love you, to adore you with everything that we do in our life. The mundane to the most spectacular thing, Jesus, we want to do for your glory. And so we invite you, Lord, to open up our eyes, open up our hearts, open up our minds, that we would just encounter you, be transformed that your love would overwhelm us today. Just by even the reading of scripture, like in the book of Nehemiah, when the book was written, they began to weep because they heard the the perfect law of the Lord. That we would weep, that we would come into a place where we see that this is not just about a story about a guy with a weird name, but it reveals your heart. So I thank you, Lord, that you are teaching us that we are royalty. Amen. I, I really like the story. This is it's an amazing story. It just shows you like we sometimes we read these stories and we think this was something that was it's like a fairy tale, right? I think sometimes we read it and like we don't really connect. Man, when I when I, re- I was reading this uh a couple days ago, I think and just you could feel the the love of Jesus over over me. Just encountering um, the story and just reading. David was an amazing man. I, I want to meet David when I get to heaven and just hang out with him and learn some new chords. And, and uh, How many are musicians? One day I was playing guitar and it was... This is really dumb. It's a joke I made up, but I was playing guitar and I had a revelation that Jesus is the chord of chords. <laughs> you gotta admit that's pretty good. I I made that up. Jesus is G suspended. It's a chord. Here's the chord of chords. Uh, and somebody should just take this mic away. So, Mephibosheth, okay, this man, he had it rough. Mephibosheth, see, I almost swore, M, had a really bad life, right? His grandpa was crazy, right? His grandpa tried to kill kill David and tried to even kill his own son. Jonathan, his father, was was killed. His uncle was killed. I mean, this guy doesn't have a good family line, right? That's just, 
at five years old. The Bible says here that Mephibosheth was crippled in his feet. He wasn't born that way. It was when Saul, the report of Saul and Jonathan that they were dead that in, I think, Second Samuel 4, it talks about how the nurse was so frantic because of the news that reached them, she grabbed M, Mephibosheth, and they began to run away. And what happens was they fell and it crippled him, and he couldn't walk at five years old. So since age five, he couldn't walk and take care of himself. And he was supposed to be, he was in line to be king. He was royal. But he'd lost his royalty because he wasn't able in his body. And so this guy doesn't have a very... uh, great beginning to his life uh, he's Lodebar you guys remember this he's, he's from this he's, he's hiding in the city called Lodebar Lodebar is what you would call a ghetto <laughs> uh, he he grew up the word Lodebar means no pasture or nothing. He, he grew up in nothing. Like he grew up in a place called nothing. There was, there was, it was like a pass me by kind of, kind of like Reading was. <laughs> right? Reading used to be called Poverty Flats because it was so much poverty here, but God showed up and now the economy. I think Pastor Bill was talking about how Reading was the, th- like the third poorest city in America at one point. And then once God started showing up, Forbes magazine said it was like the top 10 fastest growing economies in the nation. Something happens when God shows up. And so Mephibosheth, he grows up crippled from age five, and he grows up in a place called nothing. And what happens is when a king conquers another king, the tradition is that they wipe out the entire family line. <laughs> okay, so now think. Mephibosheth's right sitting there like, man, my life sucks. I got no feet. I got no home. I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be royalty, but I'm living in another man's house, and I'm, I'm hiding because I'm crippled. And so he's going through this, probably going through his list, and and all these things are going through his mind. My grandpa, he's crazy. My family line, oh my gosh, everybody dies. And all of a sudden, Zeba, the no good Zeba, gets called by David, and David says, asks him, is anyone left in the house of Jonathan that I can bless? You know, show the, the goodness of God to. And remember, kings are supposed to kill the line. But because he had such a, covenant love with Jonathan he wanted to extend his mercy and grace and so and he loved Saul he loved Saul he wouldn't speak badly about Saul when everybody else wanted to and he wrote a song about him at the end of his you know as a tribute anyway so David asked for Mephibosheth to be brought and you guys he's probably thinking oh man I'm talking ghetto because he's from the ghetto. Oh, man. I'm a dead man now. Right? So I grew up in the ghetto. 
Tacoma, Washington. I had people shot on my street. <laughs> That's the kind of environment I grew up in. But I love it. I love Tacoma. Anyways, and so, can you imagine the fear that's in his heart right now? Like, he, the king wants to see. See, this is why I think Zeba is messed up. Because he should have said no. Instead of protecting him, he gave him up. Because he wanted everything that was, belongs to the house of Saul. Jacked up. Man. And you see it later, right? Remember uh, Ziba. So Absalom, uh, you know, rebels against David, and David takes off, and Ziba goes out with all this, the, the donkeys and the bread and all the stuff, and he comes to David and gives him all the stuff, and he's trying to kiss and so David's like, where's Mephibosheth? <laughs> you know, the guy I spared, the guy I brought into my house. He's like, oh, he stayed back because he told me that his kingdom's gonna, his father's kingdom's going to be fully restored to him, you know, Saul's kingdom. And he lied to him. And so later... Mephibosheth comes and he meets David, and David's like, why didn't you show up? And he says, my, the servant Ziba, he deceived me. He was supposed to put, on my, put me on a horse, and I was supposed to come out to you, but he deceived me, he left me, and that's how it happened. And the thing is, there's no evidence that Ziba lied, like flat out. But we can tell that he lied by the way that Mephibosheth responded to David's answer. David said, okay, I'm going to split the land between you and Ziba. And Mephibosheth's answer was, I don't want any of the land. He can have 100% of it. I'm just glad you're okay. Right? Because Solomon was going to split the baby in half. So we know Mephibosheth was telling the truth. Because he's willing to lose. <clears throat> so as Mephibosheth gets the call and he comes, remember... Uh, when, when Saul, or David was becoming king in, in Second Samuel 5, he was becoming the king, and he got coronated and everything, and the Jebusites, remember the Jebusites? They were like, oh man, they were, in, they were held up in the city of Jerusalem, and they were so arrogant and cocky, and said, man, even the lame and the blind couldn't, you, would stop you, David. They're so, <laughs> David's not going to get in here. Nah, he's not going to get in here. You know, they're convinced of it, and then get, David got in there and routed them and destroyed them. And, and be, because of that, there was a saying that went through the land that no one who was lame or blind would enter the palace. So that must have been, that, you know how many have heard a saying, but you don't know how, where it originated, you just say it? So it was originally meant for the Jebusites. They was mocking and said, well, you know, the lame and the blind, you know. And, but that saying probably went throughout the, the nation and it was stuck around for a while. And Mephibosheth, maybe he didn't know what it meant. I don't know, I'm just kind of guessing here. But it says the lame and the blind won't enter into the palace. And all of a sudden, <laughs> David calls him to the palace. I don't know, I found that interesting. 
So he comes to the house, and he's crippled in his feet, and they go to this conversation. What is happening is, how many? Nobody in this room, nobody on this planet, was born a. Everybody on this planet came from a royal realm. Everybody, whether you believe or not, you you originated from a royal place. Mephibosheth originated from a royal place. I like what Joey Zamora said. He said, you didn't come from your mom and dad. You came through your mom and dad. I love that. And what Timothy always says that, how can you miss home if you've never been there? Right? We've all, we were designed to be royal from the very beginning. But how many of Adam and Eve, they fell and their children suffered? Mephibosheth, they became crippled. They became lame because Mephibosheth didn't do anything. It was because of the pers- other persons just who cared so much but made a mistake and they fell. Like Adam and Eve, they fell. We didn't do that. I mean, I'm not saying we're not sin- sinless. But because of their fall, it crippled all of humanity. Does that make sense? And so they they have this conversation. And just fast forwarding it, we'll get to the end here. (laughs) I just love it because I I know Zebo was was a low-down, dirty dog. And just to see David said, you're going to serve this guy for the rest of your life. It's like, yeah, that's, that's justice. Yeah, that's like Naaman's, you know, hang noose. You know, he built it for uh, Mordecai, and he ends up being hung in it. Because think about it, he had, what, 15 sons and 20 servants, and he's a servant of Saul. Something ain't something ain't right. He almost sounds like a politician, right? We put him in office to serve us, and they end up millionaires somehow, and they live in these nice houses while we live in the ghettos. <laughs> Ziba, man, I'm telling you, he's a politician. <laughs> His name means statue. He's an idol. I've been doing word studies and Jonathan means Jehovah is given, has given. Ziba means statue. Makir means sold or salesman. I just love words. Amil means the, my kinsman, kinsman is God. Lodibar, I said, is nothing. or Actually, we translate no word as well. It's interesting. Mephibosheth's name means exterminating the idol. Wow. Yeah. 
I had a feeling. I have a feeling. Mephibosheth was probably being bossed around by Zeba. I mean, yeah. He he's supposed to destroy idols, and he ended up serving one probably because he bought the lie that because he's crippled, he's no longer royal. Okay, going on. So they, David says, you're going to serve these guys for the rest of your life. <laughs> and in, you can kind of hear it in Ziba's voice. He's like, according to all that you said, Lord, I will do. You know, at first he's like, yes, I'm your servant. Here I am. At the end of the story, he's like, oh, dang it. <laughs> I shouldn't have opened my mouth. I shouldn't get <laughs> revealed where this guy was. And I'm pretty sure he was regretting it. This man had to go through the most horrific life since five years old. And he endured through all these things. And he gets to this moment where this king who could destroy him. Because he's not worthy to sit in the house of kings. That almost sounds like Jesus. None of us are worthy to come to the king's table. But he's the one. Jesus is the one. Go out. Go out. Fine. I'm having this huge party, and I want to bring people in. Go out to the highways and the byways. Go to the places everybody passes by where the, the people are broken, hurting, poor, crippled, lame. I want you to bring them into my house. I don't know everybody's situation in here. Like, I don't know where you're at. But in the size, this size of a room, I'd imagine there's somebody in this room who hides behind their disability, their insecurity, their fear, their unbelief, whatever it is. They're, I'm not worthy enough. We are on, when we went to Korea, we had a young lady on our team named Joelle. And if, I think it was the second day we were there, the Lord had me praying in my room. And I pray for the whole team. I pray, you know, just to bless the whole team. But I didn't pray anybody specifically by name, at least at the beginning of the trip. But the, her name came up, and I started praying for her name. And the Lord gave me the verse where, you know, um, the leper comes up to Jesus and says, I know you're able, but if you're willing... Can you heal me, right? Remember this? So the, this leper knew that God had the ability to, because he probably saw all these other people getting healed by Jesus. He's like, he, I know he has the ability, but I just don't know if, he has, if he's willing to do it for me. And Jesus said, I am willing. And I believe in that moment, he declared, the will of God is to heal all the sick that come to him. And so they, from that moment, or he got healed and whatever, and the Lord you know, gave me that verse. And so I looked up her name, and Joel, her name means I am willing. And so I just kept putting that in her, reminding her of her name. Mephibosheth's name was the erratic, the exterminating of idols. It can also be 
dispeller of shame. He wasn't supposed to be in shame. He was supposed to be one who drove shame away. But because of his crippleness, because of his heritage, everything that he had to go through, he lived and he hid in this house that wasn't his own house. And he was probably bullied by this Zeba guy, this idol. How many know we can sometimes make our disability our idol? Like sometimes we can, we, we don't want to be healed because then we have to face the truth. <laughs> right? Some people who are dis- you know, disabled, they don't want to be healed. Because they want the treatment, they want, uh, yeah, once that's gone, what are they going to be, right? I think that's why Jesus always asks, do you want to be healed? <laughs> so, my, hmm? Money is a huge thing. So Mephibosheth comes to David, and and you can see the restoration. Can you imagine? He says, how can you even look at me? I'm like a dead dog. He's not even a dog. Like <laughs> Jewish people said, just, you're a dog. He's not even a dog. He's a dead dog. <laughs> like, I mean, that's, that's worse than a dog, right? That means rotting. It's decaying, and it's just like you don't want it near your, anywhere near your property. And he, that's how he saw himself. He had so much shame, he was, forgot his identity, that he was the dispeller of shame. And so he, you can see, just, if you read the story, just the, ama- the transformation. David said, you, I'm restoring your royalty. You're not going to be a guest in my house. You're not going to be a guest who comes to dinner and eats at my table. You're going to eat like one of the sons of the king. He's calling, he's, I mean, oh, a, there's a, a Swahili saying this is the daughter of a lion is a lion. He's saying, Mephibosheth, you are now royalty again. You are eating as a king. You're not eating as a guest who's just visiting. For all the rest of your life, you will have food at your table because you're going to eat at my table. Jesus invites us to his table. We're no longer beggars and paupers. We've been invited to this table, this eternal meal with Jesus. Jesus comes, he knocks on the, you know, I'm going to come, I want to come in, I want to eat with you. Let's have communion. Let's, Let's have a relationship. I know you got problems. Just come and eat. I know you have issues. I know that you're crippled in your feet. Just come and eat. How many know when you sit at a table, you can't see your feet? When you sit at a table, you can't see your disability. Fibosheth, you're not going to be known for your disability. You're going to be known for who you are, your royalty. You're a king. You're meant to sit at this table, and I'm going to have people serve you for the rest of your life. You guys may have disabilities, what you think is disability. There's something that cripples you, something that... You want to do something amazing, but this thing comes over you and you cripple and you try to hide behind it. Like Saul, remember when he was called to be king, he said he hid behind his luggage. He hid behind his baggage. Come to the table, crippled. Come to the table, broken. 
It's amazing. I, when I was reading it, I thought this was weird. Okay, so in verse 3, it says, The king said, Is there not yet any one of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. So Ziba's telling him, There's a man who's crippled in his feet. We know this, right? Like, you read the story, you're like, okay, he's crippled in his feet. The strange thing is in verse 13, he says, So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate at the king's table continuously. Now he was lame in both feet. That is a strange way to end a chapter. Right? Like, why are you reminding us of his disability? The two words there are different. crippled there and the first one when Mephibosheth before he met King David was is the word smitten or stricken it also can mean dejected in spirit so not only was he broken in body but his spirit was broken when he came he wasn't just crippled in his body he was crippled in his spirit and so he goes through this thing where David restores Mephibosheth and says, come, you can eat at my table. This is your new identity, your royalty. And it, it ends with now, his, now he was lame in both feet. That word lame just means he's physically, he, was, he had no more dejection in his spirit. He, the shame was gone. His identity was restored. How many know living under Jesus and living under King David is different? King David could only restore man's spirit, like, you know, encourage and identity. But Jesus can do the whole package. When we come to Jesus, he doesn't want to leave you with a cripple or being lame or being this or that. Jesus offers the whole package. I don't know if I don't know if there's any record of Mephibosheth having a wife before David. I imagine he didn't because he was crippled and probably no one wanted to be with him. But the end, at the end of the chapter it says he had a son. So, I think he got married. <laughs> Marriage. <laughs> I'm glad there's other people that know that movie. Princess Bride. You haven't seen it? Go watch it. That's classic. Anyways, at the end of the restoration, when he come gets invited to the table, the table represents communion. It represents, you know, that's why Jesus at the end had dinner. That's why, you know, he or be invited to the, the wedding feast. You know, and so the king, they invited them to the king's table, and it's probably condensed here, but Mephibosheth was being restored. Royalty, you know, restores. And because he had communion, communion with the king, he produced a child. 
whose name was Micah. The name Micah means who is like the Lord. The fruit of our relationship with Jesus, we become like the Lord. When we eat with him, when we learn from him, when he invites us, come to me all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Inviting us to his table. I'm, I'm just sharing this because, it, you know, there's sometimes I like to hide behind fear and stuff and not face things. Insecurities and all these different, this garbage that we've believed. and Some of it's because of stuff we've done. Some of it's because of what other people have done. And just sometimes it's life. (laughs) But that doesn't define us. That's not who we are. We're not to be in shame. We're supposed to be dispellers of shame. We're supposed to sit at the table of royalty and enjoy the feast that God has for us every single day. Like Mephibosheth probably didn't eat 24 hours a day. But we have that option. Because in the king, like in the natural, if I ate 20 Krispy Kreme donuts right now, I'd be full and I probably wouldn't want to eat for another hour. <laughs> Right, we become full by eating more, but in the in the realm of God, the more we eat, the hungrier we become. The more we want to eat, the more we want to spend time at the table with God. The table is amazing because it's before our enemies. <laughs> He's like Zebo, watch this. Mephibosheth's going to eat in front of you all the days of your life, sucker. <laughs> Remember, he says he'll prepare a table before our enemies. (laughs) That's all I got to say. I just want to, you know, as we talk about royalty, you know, I encourage you to write things down and just, it's important that you learn this. God's not calling you to be a beggar. I, I te- in Red Bluff, I used to do uh, the Lord's Prayer teaching. And we would pray every Monday. We'd go through the Lord's Prayer. And, and so I, 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 would, I did a teaching on it. And the Lord's Prayer starts, Our Father, who art in heaven. And I stress the important. We have to understand... That he's our father and we're sons and daughters. Because if we don't understand that dynamic, that relationship, no other religion prays that. We're the only religion that, or belief system that prays our father, acknowledging him as daddy father. And if we don't understand that relationship, when we begin our prayer, for the rest of that prayer, we're going to beg for God to do something. But when we pray our father, we understand I'm not praying this way, I'm praying this way, 
as a son and a daughter, I'm no longer begging, I'm decreeing. I'm no longer asking in a way that, oh God, please, please go move in Africa. I'm a son. And I you know, as a king, we have authority. God wants to change our perspective that we're not to pray as beggars. He's not reluctant. And we're, we're not trying to overcome the reluctance of God when we pray. He says, if I've given you my son, how much more will I give you all things? I mean, that's pretty obvious that God wants to do stuff. <laughs> right? Anyways, I'm trying to change our perspective. That You know, sometimes we, we feel so much shame that we don't want to go to the table. Like, oh, man. Just sneak up to the table and sit down and let his grace cover you. Let, let his blood wash you and just enjoy God and let him do the work so that he gets rid of that shame and that crippleness. Just come. Right? Don't be religious. Don't try to fix yourself before you come to God. Just come as you are and let him do the work. Of course, you got to do stuff, you know, in obedience. But he's he's much better than David. He's much kinder. He's much more gracious. We all deserve hell. <laughs> but by the grace of God, the king invites us to the table. Your royalty, that's who you are. You have a place at, you have a seat at the table. I'm trying to get closer to the end of the table, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Jesus sitting down here, I'm trying to, I'm taking the furthest seat away and I'm trying to work my way up. (laughs) Serving others, you know. Jesus told you, take the the end seat and then you'll get called up. You know, humble yourself. But I do believe there's positions. I do believe there are seats closer to Jesus than, right? He said, the disciples are arguing, hey, Jesus, who's going to be closer to you? Closer to you. He's like, I can't tell you that. The Father knows. He didn't deny it. There was actually positions. Anyways. Not everybody's going to be like this with Jesus. reality (laughs) oh god some people are like oh please just let me make it (laughs) that's bad mentality you're royalty you're in you're in now let's just grow with jesus sit at the table eat there's chicken down there i want to go down here because i like chicken i'm gonna i'm gonna do what it takes to get closer to the the hamburgers and the steak you know down there okay i'm just being stupid now (laughs) now i'm hungry you guys get it? Like You guys are royalty. There's nothing you've done, nothing, no mistakes, no failures, no brokenness. There's nothing that you've done that can keep you away from the table. He's invited you. All you have to do is come. You guys are awesome. And I don't say that. I don't, I'm not just saying that because you're sitting in front of me. 
I actually mean that. And my heart is that we would all realize how royal we are. Because royal people change the world. Royal people restore people. David was royalty. Instead of destroying Mephibosheth, what he he could have done, he said, no, I'm going to bring you up. You're going to be like my son. Royal people, when we start understanding we're royal, we're going to start helping people realize they're royal. And they're going to come out of that poverty mindset. They're going to come out of that lack mindset. They're going to come out of whatever situation in their life is when we understand first. Because we're like Jesus, and we go out and we bring people out of their shame. Say, man, you're royalty. Anyways, let's pray. You are not broken beyond repair. I want you to see right now the Lord putting a crown upon your heart. goes beyond the way we dress or talk. Those are, those are just the outward manifestation of what our heart really believes. And he wants to put a crown on your heart saying you have a royal heart. You know, in, the, in Ezekiel it talks about, Ezekiel prophesies in, that in the last day he's going to take your heart of stone and he's going to give you a heart of flesh. That's a royal heart. Because he wasn't giving you just the... <laughs> Think about it. I'm going to take the, the stone and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. He rolled the stone away and Jesus walked out. Got rid of the stone and he gave you Jesus. Brand new heart. So just see the heart, God's hands, the king putting a crown upon your heart and see it start changing colors might have been dark might have been broken there might have been bruises and things are going on in your heart and just watch the royal crown restore your heart Let's just stand and we're going to end it with, we're going to pray for one another. Sometimes some people are so crippled, they can't do it themselves. So they had to have four friends lower them down into a room. Make sense? Sometimes some people are so broken, they need a community to help them get restored. That's what royal communities do. Like when a man's down, like the Marines, 
You leave no man behind or woman. So I want you to hold hands with the person next to you. And if you're brave enough, maybe you can share something with the person next to you and they can pray specific. If not, we're just going to pray that God, they would, they would get the revelation of who they are, that they have been called to be royal people who are invited to the table of delights for the rest of their life. They don't have to eat scraps like dogs, crumbs from the master's table. They have right to sit at the table in whatever condition their heart is. God says, come and he will restore. So I want you to pray over that person and bless them. Bless them that they would catch this revelation because this is important. This is important. Thank you. Right now, that God, you're raising up people in this room that understand that, that they're, they're not going to be beggars. They're not going to be underfoot of somebody else. But God, they're going to be rulers. They're going to take dominion. They've been, they've been given kingdoms. Jesus, your word says that you, they, the, and even in Daniel, that in the last days you will give kingdoms to them. Oh, Lord, I thank you that you're raising up rulers, kings who serve, kings who lay down their life, kings who uh, raise and restore people who are broken, Jesus. Thank you that you're raising up people who are just like you in every single way. Every single way, Jesus. You're raising up people that understand that they're not beggars. They're not, they're not manipulators. They're not violators. But they're, they're called to be victorious kings and queens that overcome, that, that help people come out of their brokenness, Jesus. They bring the cripple. They go out into the streets, the highways and the byways, and they invite and they bring in the people because that's what royal people do. They invite them to the, t- the party. They invite them to the dinner because there's plenty to go around. There's enough for everybody to eat. There's enough for everybody to be restored. There's enough for everybody to sit and to watch the grace of God cover them, cover them and restore them and hide their shame and remove all their their pain and their brokenness, God. I thank you. There's never a lack at your table, Jesus. There's never a lack, God. Wow, thank you. Even at the mountain, you invited. And you fed the thousands, Jesus, because there was more than enough at your table. Jesus, that you would raise up in this room people who really understand that they're royalty, that when they see somebody who's broken, they, they understand that I have the power of God in me to restore that person's life. When they see a mess in a room, they, their, their first response is, I've got to make this place better. It's got to be better than when I first entered. I thank you for this royal company, Jesus. Wow, thank you. We should call this the, the sanctuary. That We should call it the palace. <laughs> this is where the lame and the blind can come. Thank you, Lord.